Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's have ourselves a lot of tech gumbo today. I'm very excited. So we're going to start off with the news and updates that Windows 11 now has a tiny version, so-called Tiny 11. Yeah, this is kind of a fun little thing that's out there, and it is dramatically smaller than normal Windows 11. Normal Windows 11 is somewhere around 20 gigs of storage, whereas this one only needs 8, and it only needs 2 gigs of RAM to run. Yeah, this thing is really for somebody who has an older PC that you're wanting to keep around. This may be a computer that you bought 10 years ago, and you just don't want to give up on it yet because you have some sentimental value to this PC. It's a family heirloom or something like that, I guess. But it's really just a stripped down version of 11. And some some guy actually took a whole lot extra stuff out of Windows 11, out of the tiny version. And he got this thing running on a computer with only 200 megs of RAM. That is so small. That is whatever below tiny is to have your operating system on 200 megs of RAM. You're going back 20 years at that point for a computer with 200 megs of RAM, if not 25 years ago, to have something with that little bit of of what's going on. And I just think this is fascinating that while computer operating systems keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it doesn't really have a whole lot of practical purposes. This is not something that the average listener can go out and download and switch from regular Windows 11 out to Tiny 11. It doesn't necessarily do anything better or anything different. It's just, hey, there is another version for someone who really wants to, to tinker around and do kind of a DIY type of stuff. So the next story we wanted to talk about, we wanted to go on to Apple has issued an emergency security update for all of its platforms. Yes, this is a big deal. Under the label of zero-day vulnerability, which is the biggest, most important kind of vulnerability. If you have an Apple device, go out and update it 
now because this is how important the security vulnerability is. If you're running iOS 16, either on your iPhone or your iPad, and if you have a Mac OS 13, you need to go run this update immediately. This is a no-joke update so that you can protect yourself, protect your device, because the bad guys have ways to get into your phone very quickly and get your information. And if you have your banking app or your credit card app or any of those kinds of apps that are on your phone, they can get it. So make sure that you are always up to date. We recommend updates pretty often on the show, but this is one that we are recommending especially soon. Yes, this is not one of those wait around and let people test it out or anything that because this is not going from iOS 15 to 16. This is this is just 16.3.1. So this is a minimal update. It takes about two minutes to download and install on your phone. Go ahead, do it. Get it out of the way because this is all about security. And other things to talk about with regards to Apple, the Justice Department is looking into their monopoly investigation into Apple because they are bringing in more different litigators because they are opening up and really looking around to see what has Apple done here and what should they have been able to do here. The Justice Department really wants to look at what Apple's policies with third-party software devices and how the they use their competitive advantage when it's Apple's own equipment and or software versus a competitor's software and equipment running on the iPhone. One of the places that you can see this would be in the App Store, that if Apple prioritizes its apps in front of everyone else's apps, regardless of search criteria, which is a thing that Apple has been accused of and people have shown evidence for, that would be against the rules. And so another place wherever you could see this happening would be with Apple and their AirTag versus what happened with Tile. That's whenever Apple released the Find My feature on their iPhones, it does not continuously ask if you want to be tracked by your AirTag. However, Tile being the third-party device Apple continuously says, do you want to be tracked by this versus that native first-party software? And so according to a lawyer for Tile, this practical reality is a prime example of Apple using consumer privacy as a shield to place third-party apps at a competitive disadvantage. Another group of products that Apple has integrated into their system, but their competitors can't, the iMessage. Android phone users cannot put iMessage on their, their, their phones. The AirPods will work with your iPhones. You can get an AirPod to work with an Android, but it's much more difficult and won't be as feature rich and won't work as well. So there's just a whole lot of things like that even all the way back to the the Fortnite lawsuit that went through a whole two-year legal battle and both sides are currently appealing because Apple did win that case but there's been a lot of extra lawsuits going on with that and and this thing is just going to continue to drag on and drag on because Apple if you have an iPhone it's it's their operating system it's their app store and it's their rules. If you don't like it, there's a competitor out there that you can go to. That's their point of view. So touching back on what that Fortnite Makers lawsuit was, it was about the fact that Apple charged a 
percentage of all in-app purchases had to go through the App Store. So Fortnite, you can buy the skins, you can buy all the other fun things inside of it. Well, anything that happened on the on the iPhone, Apple gets a cut of that. And so Epic Games was saying that, look, this is still our skins. You know, they bought the app. Like you can take some portion of that initial download, but you don't get some additional portion of everything. And for example, whenever Elon Musk bought Twitter, he considered charging a higher price for Twitter Blue on iPhones because Apple takes that 30% cut. Netflix won't let you sign up for Netflix on an iPhone because Apple takes a percentage of that recurring revenue. Netflix wants you to go to the website and then do it through that system as opposed to through the Netflix app. And a lot of people are starting to look into this and say, is this an unfair advantage for Apple? Because once you sign up from a website, then you can go get the the app and use the app. And it's all about getting around those purchases. That 30% cut that Apple takes off the top, that's what they're trying to to avoid. That's what everyone's trying to avoid is is keeping Apple from skimming their 30% off the top. Because you can do this at a website if you're just using your computer in a regular browser, or even if you're using your browser on your phone and not doing it through the app, even using your iPhone or your iPad. But because you're using the app that's that they you got out of the app store, all of a sudden now you've got to give up 30% of what you should be paid for your your software that a user is is purchasing. Right, and so that's ultimately what the core of the contention was, was that Epic had their own ability to do in-app purchases. They didn't need to touch any of Apple's software. And so Apple has since caved and allowed this external purchasing power. But this was after all this pressure. This is part of why they ended up winning the first round of the lawsuit that is being appealed is because they were able to make this exception and change this policy. And just so you don't think that the Apple lawyers have nothing else to do, the House Judiciary Committee has now subpoenaed Tim Cook, along with the top, the big five from the other big tech companies, and they're wanting to bring them in and rake them over the coals and asking about collusion with the Biden administration over the COVID policies and, and that kind of thing. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if this is meaningful regulation, if they ask important questions that help get at core issues, but understanding are tech companies working together in some sort of cartel fashion. That would be really interesting to learn. But the question is, will this session be able to adequately and accurately extract this information or is it going to be more grandstanding? And I think we've yet to get the answer to that. The House Judiciary Committee has asked Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, Microsoft to be there in addition to Apple. They want them to turn over a whole bunch of documents by the end of March. And they want to go through these documents and see if there's been any kind of collusion between all of these companies that, that the House Republicans are concerned about whether or not. They, they were working with the Biden administration in, in a hyper-partisan way. Part of what makes it unclear as to what their ultimate goal is, is Apple doesn't really engage directly in a lot of censorship or first-party issues because First Amendment issues. And so 
how they are going to tie into all this is unclear so far. Obviously, Google has the search engine. Meta has Facebook. And so you could see ways in which they interact with First Amendment issues much more often. And so the censorship of COVID-19 as a question to those companies, at least I see what the logic is. Whereas if you're going to tell me that Apple didn't let apps on the app store that disagreed with the White House's COVID-19 policy, now you're kind of, it feels like you're reaching a bit farther now because Apple has certain standards for its what apps it lets on. It's generally a pretty high bar to clear anyway. So that's going to be difficult for them to prove. And so I'm curious, you know, can they show something? Will they be able to extract information? We are here for the investigation of tech companies and to make sure they are being transparent in their actions. But the tech companies aren't idiots and they are going to bring their A game. Yeah, I'm not expecting much out of this. And I understand the exercise they're flexing. They're in power right now in the house. So let's let's take our our shot at 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 the other guys for a while. But are there not more important things like data privacy that we can talk about while you're there? I mean, there are more important things like cybersecurity that we can talk about while you're there, as opposed to something that happened two three years ago. Allegedly happened. We're not Allegedly even sure. Allegedly happened. Yes. Let's move on and, and work to actually solve things that are still a problem. Yes, that that would be very nice because problems that we're facing are softwares raising their fees. Netflix is rolling out their password sharing protection program and it's hit Canada and it is coming to the U.S. very soon. That's right. Netflix has rolled this out in Canada, New Zealand, Portugal and Spain. And the password sharing crackdown has really become very real for a lot of people. Program says if you're trying to log in to a device that's not within your house, then that's a problem. And that will cost $7.50 a month for that extra member to try and log on. That's it's an estimated price. Netflix is yet to release exactly what the number is going to be. But yeah, the device will have to log into the home Wi-Fi at least once a month in order for it to not be charged as extra membership fee. And so this is really a, a tough call. I, I just don't understand why Netflix is doing this because you are already competing so heavily with Disney, with HBO Max, with Hulu, with Peacock and Paramount and Apple TV Plus. You have all these competitors, and we talk about the ways in which there are a limited number of eyeballs. If you're going to make people angry, fine, they'll go somewhere else. Those other places have deep libraries. And this just feels like Netflix shooting themselves in the foot. It's really going to be frustrating. Let's say I I never watch an actual Netflix show on my iPad because I watch it on the TV hanging on the wall. But if I go on vacation somewhere and I want to pull up and watch a show on my iPad, but I forgot to check in before I left the house, it's not going to allow me to watch a show on my iPad? That's an excellent question. And... This is going to be something that 
Netflix is going to either A, the app is going to have to wake itself up periodically and do this manual check, which a lot of devices won't let an app perform this type of action, or B, they're going to have to figure something else out. Because yeah, as you mentioned, that if you're not constantly using this app, if it is dormant pretty often, what happens there? Do you have to use an authenticator app? Do they send a text to me with the six digits? And if I can't let my own kids who are in college not off on their own as full-time adults working in their careers, my college-age kids can't use my app because they don't live under my roof anymore, but I still claim them on my tax returns? Who's going to decide what's my household and who's not? Me or Netflix? It's so baffling of a move because a lot of people have Netflix accounts because they had the, they bought the account in 2012 or 2014 and just it stuck around and stuck around and stuck around even if they don't actively watch a whole lot. They haven't gone through that effort of canceling it yet. But if you're going to sit here and make a lot of people angry or you're going to push a lot of people off, one of the ways that streaming platforms generate interest is because you have a show that becomes popular and people talk about it. You want people talking about your shows, especially if your competitive advantage is going to be your content library. And so whenever you know Netflix puts out a new show that people get excited about, the Squid Games 2 or whatever, well, if you have a third less people who have Netflix accounts and so they're not watching about it and it doesn't hit that cultural relativity in the same way, then you're going to hit a downward spiral where people say, oh, I heard one person talking about that show, but it's not in the same way. Wherever something like HBO right now, you have The Last of Us, wherever everyone is talking about it. And so now all of a sudden there's that like, oh, well, I have to go watch this. So many people are talking about it. That's, that is their core here. And to intentionally push people off of your platform is just so baffling of a choice completely agree when when ozark was, oh man did, have you seen Ozark? yeah everybody was talking about ozark or everybody was talking about whatever netflix show was just coming out well don't say anything i'm only three episodes into the eight episodes okay well let me know when you finish and well then we'll we'll talk about it and okay that's great well hadn't really had a whole lot of have you seen the Netflix show lately? It's it's all been Disney. It's a the Mandalorian is coming out here in, in the beginning of March. And man, when's the last time anybody got excited about Netflix? Yeah, that's just a great question. That's you you are driven by your content here, by the unique shows that you can produce. You need people to be excited about them. And this is a choice which I'm curious to see if it ends up panning out. Do they make enough revenue with the, the increases in fees or long term? Do we see this at this point in time wherever they started their downward trend? And the fact that they they tried this in Argentina, the Dominican Republic, El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras and thought, OK, well, we can do it in those five countries. Then it'll work everywhere else. How did those five little bitty countries that combined this aren't the size of Texas, all of a sudden we can make decisions for the United States and Canada and in Europe? And well, I think that is why you're seeing the scaling up. That's why they're there. Canada and Spain are countries which are that 30 to 50 million people. 
And so they are sitting there watching it very closely because the prices that they charge per resident are not fixed. They, they, they're changing in each different market. And so they're very much trying to thread the needle on this, do the precise calculations, but I, it just feels like a mistake. And we will keep our eye out and let you know when it happens here. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.